Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Macomb was first, then Mount Blanchard. Who will be next? How the Findlay Hancock County Community Foundation is unlocking the heart and soul of the towns in which we live. Also this morning, don't look now, but tax deadline day is just over a month away. For first-timers who have been putting it off, we have advice to take the fear out of filing and make tax time less taxing. And happening around town, it's a flippin' fun event. We have details on the first post-pandemic Kiwanis Pancake Day. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Reasons to celebrate today, it is Landline Telephone Day, also the Festival of Life in the Cracks Day, Uh, International Bagpipe Day, well, what else do you need? It's International Bagpipes Day, the International Day of Awesomeness today, which I think that's terrific, I mean... That just encompasses everything. The International Day of Awesomeness. It is uh, National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day. And it is Pack Your Lunch Day today. So instead of going out to eat, just pack your lunch today. Reasons to celebrate. So um, one of the uh, big stories during and in the uh, post-pandemic uh era here has been the uh, great resignation the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, hugely disrupted the u.s labor market as we know and uh, led to the phenomenon which is known as the great resignation in which people have been quitting their jobs in significant numbers the quits rate the quits rate reached a 20-year high this past november and the Reason most often cited, the excuse, the explanation has been the enhanced unemployment benefits, which were uh, given out during the pandemic, made it easier and actually more profitable for people to stay at home, sit in front of the TV rather than going to work. Well, now that this great resignation has been going on for a year or more, um, because there was a time when just about everybody was out of work. Uh, but now that this is a phenomenon that we've been seeing for quite some time, we've got some some harder numbers on this. The Pew Research Center uh, did, some, did some research and uh, looked at the reasons behind the Great Resignation. And indeed, they found that low pay was, in fact, the top reason given for why people quit their job last year. 63% said low pay. But that's not the only reason driving the great resignation. Uh, They also found 63% said a lack of opportunities for advancement at their job led them to leave their position. 57% cited feeling disrespected at work. We talked about this Just the other day on the program, people feeling disrespected at work. Other reasons given included child care issues. That's also been cited quite often. A lack of flexibility to choose where and when they put in their work hours. Not having good benefits. 
uh, wanting to relocate. A lot of people did relocate uh, during and after the pandemic. Working too many hours, working too few hours, and employer COVID-19 vaccine mandates were also cited by 18% as a reason why they quit their job. Now, of those who quit one job and have now moved on to a new job, most of those see their situation as having improved their new employment versus their old job. 56% say they are earning more money. 53% say they have more opportunities for advancement. 53% have an easier time balancing work and family responsibilities. And even 50% have more flexibility to choose when and where they put in their work hours. 53% of those, and this is, I think, kind of interesting, 53% of those who quit their jobs last year and are now employed also said that they changed their occupation or their field of work. So they got a career change. So that's another reason why uh, people are uh, leaving. Maybe that's not, maybe they don't even realize that they are looking for a career change, but once they find an opportunity in another field, they find that that perhaps was one of the reasons why they felt burnt out or felt some of those, uh, some of that dissatisfaction with a uh, previous employer. So kind of interesting uh, stuff. Uh, be, Looking at the reasons behind the great resignation of the U.S. labor market post-pandemic. One other change uh, coming out of the uh, pandemic. It appears that women, women seem to be looking for nice guys to date. Now, you heard that old saying, nice guys finish, finish last. Well, not anymore. A recent poll from dating.com found 85% of single women say they are now seeking a steady partner post-pandemic rather than just a casual relationship. 60% of the women on the platform before the pandemic said that they were open to short-term flings, but since then, half of those 60% of women changed their relationship goals because of the experience we've all been through over the past, past couple of years. Uh, Dating.com said in a statement, single women shared that they are now more attracted to dates who are consistent and dependable. And uh, again, we're talking just about women. They expressed that a relationship with someone who guarantees stability is key amid COVID and ongoing uncertainty. Study that came out in May of last year echoed this finding, saying a partner's stability and family commitment had become more important to singles of both genders Amid growing pandemic concerns, uh, Marky Demania, I think is how you pronounce it, she is a life coach, says the pandemic has generated renewed focus on the preciousness of time in relationships and how limited we are when it comes to actually finding the one. She says women want to spend time with someone who is really valuable as opposed to someone they might just have a good time with. Her advice for nice guys, lean into your nice guyness. <laughs> lean into just being yourself. Don't uh, try to up your cool factor or anything like that because that's not what women want now. They're kind of interesting. Obviously, uh, this day and age, there are still millions of people working from home. Uh, some schools uh, are uh, still doing the virtual classes thing or at least making this an option. It is no wonder people are feeling some serious unbalance in their work-life balance. 
Researchers at Cornell University have looked into this, and they have confirmed what you may already suspect. Working when you should be taking time off or working when the workday should be over kills your motivation when you're supposed to be working. If you're working during your time off, you're not motivated to work when you're supposed to be working. Even if you are still working just 40 hours a week, you're working during time that you have mentally encoded as time off or as time that should be for a vacation, and that can make you feel suddenly like your work is less enjoyable. Let's circle back to reasons for the great resignation. Associate professor we were at the Cornell University's Samuel Curtis Johnson Graduate School of Management, Caitlin Woolley, says, We have this feeling that sometimes the ability to work when we want, work whenever we want, could also impact how we feel about our work. One of the experiments compared students studying at the Cornell Library. Half were reminded that they were studying on President's Day, which is a federal holiday. The other half, they didn't mention that to. Presumably, those individuals hadn't really thought about it. They were just studying on it was just another day. The students who were reminded that they were technically working when others were off found their efforts 15% less enjoyable than those who didn't know that they were studying on a holiday. Uh, they did the same thing Martin Luther King Day. And a 9% drop in productivity among those who were working in uh, working on that day compared to any other Monday. The real benefit of time off on the weekend or on holidays is that it's not just that you have time off, but your family and friends have time off too. Uh, one of the things that uh, they suggest for managers, can you create a weekend shift so people feel like they're in it together with other people? I just thought that was kind of interesting. Again, not a big surprise that the more we are left to our own devices to decide when our working hours will be, more likely that our work-life balance may get a little out of whack. And speaking of uh, work issues and uh, all of this kind of uh, circles back to that whole subject here, one of the other most interesting stories start things off this morning among the first things you need to know this is research out of the university of virginia which asked the question if you are just plain mean to everyone does it mean that you are not sexist or racist or whatever if you're just mean to everyone can you really be labeled as sexist uh Many people believe that if you are mean to everyone, if you're an equal opportunity offender, then you can't you cannot be accused of racism or sexism or anything like that. Researchers write when a man is a jerk to other men, it creates an illusion of impartiality, giving sexist perpetrators plausible deniability. So they're looking specifically at sexism, but it could be by extension. Uh, however, whatever uh, protected class you want to apply this to uh, researcher Peter Blemmy says this is problematic because sexism and rudeness are not mutually exclusive men who are sexist can be and often are rude to other men 
And uh, their theory is that just because you are rude to everyone does not mean that you aren't sexist. Not everyone agrees. The scientists define sexism as attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors that reflect, foster, or promote negative or pejorative stereotypes about women. The take-home message, long and short of it is here, rudeness across the board creates a barrier to addressing sexism. The next thing that they want to study is whether rudeness can conceal other types of discrimination. And you would think that it could based on you know what we've learned from this uh, from this research. But kind of interesting the uh, thought that if you are rude to just everyone, you're an equal opportunity offender, you still can be sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever label you want to put on someone. Anyway, uh, just something to chew on there, something to think about. Some of the first things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 45, mostly cloudy tonight, low of 30. Finley Municipal Court has scheduled its fifth annual Safe Surrender Day for April 14th. People who have a bench warrant for their arrest can get the warrant released on that day. During the court's fourth annual Safe Surrender Day last fall, they helped 72 people get more than 100 warrants cleared. Appointments are preferred, but walk-ins are welcome. Get more details on the website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has begun the preparation for possible refugees. DeWine announced that he has directed the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services to convene a summit in Northeast Ohio next week to ensure the state's preparedness to welcome Ukrainian refugees, if asked. The summit will include resettlement agencies, faith-based organizations, charities, and others interested in supporting Ukrainians. Since 2018, more than 500 Ukrainians have been resettled in Ohio, mostly in Cleveland. Owen and Tracy Townsend reporting. Meantime, the Ukrainian flag continues to fly outside the Ohio State House and at the governor's residence. The American Junior Golf Association will come to Findlay for the first time this spring for a tournament at Findlay Country Club. The 36-hole tournament will be held April 29th through May 1st. Chad Bain, Chief Operating Officer at Findlay Country Club, says the tournament will benefit Millstream Career Center. We're very proud of, of that facility, their work-based learning initiatives that they have. Uh, if you haven't been out to Millstream, highly recommend going out for a visit. Pretty incredible opportunity to have that level of facility in our community. And he says Millstream students will help with things like catering, construction of event supplies and media and marketing outreach for the tournament. Get more on the website. Ohio is in the top 10 of states with the most sightings of unidentified flying objects. That's according to a report by Outdoor Activity and Nature Advocacy Group Outphoria which says Ohio reported more than 4,100 UFO sightings from the 1950s through this February. That number puts Ohio at number eight in the country for UFO reports, with California leading the way with more than 15,000 sightings. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, you remember a few years ago, Macomb became the first community to embrace this program and then it was uh, mount blanchard and now who will be next brian Teresa, the uh, finlay hancock county community foundation is with us this morning to talk about the heart and soul program 
Community Program. Brian, thanks for uh, dropping by. We oh, appreciate it. Definitely. Uh, like we said, this is uh, something that uh, Macomb has done, uh, Mount Blanchard has done. Explain what the Heart and Soul Community Program is all about. Great. Thank you. So Community Heart and Soul is a model that's based um, nationally now, but it was started from Lyman Orton, who is the proprietor of the Vermont Country Store. Okay. Uh, that has actual physical stores in Vermont, but then a lot of people locally may know the mail order catalog. Mm -hmm. And he noticed that small towns throughout the nation were in decline and decided he wanted to do something about it. So with a team, they developed a model that's focused on three different things, involving everyone, focusing on what really matters, and then playing the long game. So they developed a model that we brought to Hancock County, and this, like you said, it's the third time we're going to be implementing. Yeah. So is this uh, sort of an economic development uh, thing? Uh, sounds like it goes beyond just that. It does. It goes beyond that. So what we do with the communities is we talk to them about who all is in your community, and we do some mapping to figure out who all makes up the demographics of your community, and then talk to them. Find out what are those things that unite us as a community? What are those things that matter to all of us? Those community strengths right. that already exist. That already exist, and no matter what, you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So in Macomb, it was the parks, uh, businesses, the schools, the library, et cetera. And then in Mount Blanchard, it was, again, the pools and the park. Uh, it was business. It was education. So then you start collecting ideas on where do we want those different community priorities to be 10 years from now? And then you develop a strategic plan, in essence, that builds off of those uh, so that you can say in five and 10 years, our community, those things that matter most are mm -hmm. stronger than they were. The reason I ask about uh, economic development is because, you know, obviously, uh, Finley and Hancock County have an economic development office. So what does this bring to the table in addition to that is kind of what we're, what we're getting to. Sure. So it is another tool, another tool in a community's tool chest that when they're talking to businesses, they can say, here's what matters and here's how your business could fit in to our plan. Uh, and here's what matters to us as a community and how you can play a role in our future. And as you mentioned, this is geared specifically toward small towns uh, throughout the country. But, uh, you know, for purposes of, of our conversation and our program here in, in Hancock County, the small communities, which uh, the dynamics are often different than what we would think of, say, in Findlay. Correct. Or even in Faustoria or, you know. Definitely. There's something special about small towns. Mm -hmm. and, and there's something special about the small towns in Hancock County. So this is an opportunity for us to support them in, in their next steps and being the strongest community that they can be. Uh, because I worked with Macomb and I worked with Mount Blanchard and mm -hmm. I can say there are amazing people in those communities that care so much. And the, uh, the interface, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, that's done uh, in these dialogues in this uh, strategic plan, is that typically done with like the town council or is it a, a separate board or, or group that uh, it gets together to do this? I mean, what's the makeup of, of this? Sure. We offer a grant to the community. It's mm -hmm. 140000 spread over two years. And what that grant provides is the structure. Uh, so it allows for the for the community to hire a project coordinator okay. or project co-coordinators. And then there's a team, a local team. The foundation provides coaching to that team in the model and the process. But it's really that team partnering with every entity that they can in the community 
um, to enact the plan and enact the actual process. So I would imagine the ultimate goal is to uh, make this uh, program available to every community that is interested. Uh, but for now, you're looking for the next community. As I said, Macomb uh, kind of launched this locally. Mount Blanchard uh, then came after that. And what would a community need to do in order to become the next community to uh, embark on this heart and soul program. Great. So the applications are due April 1st. So now is the time. If, if a community has not already started the process, they need to reach out to Cassie Turner in the Community Foundation's office, and she can guide them through the process, give them resources, and, and help them navigate the next steps. And what are you looking for from the community? What would that application process uh, involve? We're looking for a community that has a team together, and that has community-wide buy-in from elected officials, strong uh, local nonprofits, strong community groups, a community that collectively has decided that this is the process uh, that they want to uh, engage in for their next steps. And as you mentioned, this is a, what, a two-year process? Around two years. It's okay. flexible. And, and how then do you judge the success of uh, this program? So there are quite a few different metrics, and, and nationally, they've noticed that there are trends and an increase in num a number of people running for office, um, sometimes an increase in number of businesses. But what we, we really look for is, has their plan been enacted? That plan that they create, mm -hmm. how have they been checking off those items? And how, have, as a community, they've been really embracing that idea of these things that we all share that matter, mm -hmm. how do we improve them? And, and how much of that implementation is done within that two years and how much of it uh, is going beyond it? Because I would imagine this is something that, I mean, if you're doing it right, it's not just a two-year thing and then we're done and we go about our business and focus on something else. This is something that has to be an ongoing commitment, right? It, it should be. Mm -hmm. We'll use the term forever. Yeah. Uh, but after the first two years, you should have a plan. Yeah. And then at that point, then you embrace implementing the plan and then hopefully regularly looking at the plan and saying, is this still relevant or what should we add to make sure that we still have goals for the future? So, again, if uh, there is a community, uh, community leaders in one of the uh, towns and villages in Hancock County listening and thinks, you know, this is really something that we could uh, use to sort of um, revitalize or giving, give our community a, uh, a jump start. Um, the first step of the process, contact Cassie Turner at the community foundation offices. We would love to talk to you. And again, the deadline is April 1st. When uh, is the announcement? The announcement afterwards, we'll do a selection process and we mm -hmm. hope to start in June. Okay. So we look forward to that. And obviously we'll probably talk about it, uh, then as well. A lot of things going on to the Community Foundation. What, your uh, 30th anniversary Our this 30th year? anniversary. Yeah. There's so much to celebrate, and we look forward to sharing it all year. Terrific stuff. Again, uh, Brian Treese with the uh, Findlay Hancock County Community Foundation with us this morning. Brian, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, don't look now, but it is just a little over a month away from tax deadline day. If you have been putting this off, you are not alone, especially among young people. 40% of millennials tend to procrastinate in filing their taxes, especially among first-time filers. The reason may be fear, which is understandable with all of the scary stories about what can happen if you make a mistake. Well, take a deep breath 
because personal finance expert Ashley Feinstein Gerstley has some advice for those IRS newbies. She is the author of Financial Adulting, everything you need to be a financially confident and conscious adult. And Ashley, what are some of the more common mistakes that first-time tax filers have a tendency to make? So I would say that some of the most common are using the wrong account number. So definitely double check that account number. I've made that mistake. And whether you're getting a refund or owe taxes, if you have the wrong account number in there, the IRS will not be able to pull the money or give you your money. That would, I'd say, be number one. Um, Giving information through a scam. Scams pretending to be the IRS right now Mm. are rampant. So just know that if there's someone reaching out and and threatening to put you in jail or requesting payment immediately. That is not the IRS and do not pass along any information that way. I can see first-time filers really being susceptible to something like that who have not been through the process before. Yes, it's it's scary. The the messages are urgent and threatening. And um, so it's important to know that unless you have an ongoing case with the IRS, they're not going to reach out to you that way. You usually get letters in the mail from them. Yeah. One also that I see a lot, if someone's claiming you as a dependent, you want to make sure to check the box that says someone can claim you as a dependent. Otherwise, whoever files first, (laughs) um, the other filer will get rejected. So that's also important, especially for young filers who might have people claiming them. Yeah. So uh, the thing to remember, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, is that the IRS in most cases, is really not the big bad wolf that they are made out to be sometimes. I mean, if you if you do make an honest mistake, you're not going to go to jail. Right. Yes, I think there's, I've seen a lot of memes lately. I always see them during tax season where people say, I just filed my taxes, I should be in jail by Friday. <laughs> and, you know, I've made mistakes on my taxes. People make mistakes all the time. Right. Usually what it ends up being something that the IRS comes back to you with the mistake that you'll get a bill rather than um, police at your door. I think that's a a very common misconception. Exactly. Even worst case scenario, uh, they're not going to come in and put you in handcuffs. And I I remember you talk about making uh, mistakes, just a a quick story. I remember uh, back in the day when we still filled out the forms by hand and I forgot to put down my child's social security number the first time I I filed uh, with a dependent of my own. And I simply got a letter asking me to provide provide that information and reminding me not to make the same mistake next year. And that was it. I mean, again, you talk about some of these common mistakes and this is stuff that the IRS has dealt with before. So you're not the first person to do this. A hundred percent. Yes. I think that that is definitely something that can make us a little bit more at ease. These are complicated long forms. So I, it makes complete sense that we'd be feeling fearful or that we're going to make a mistake, but they're in a way almost inevitable and they happen and, they can be remedied. Yeah. One thing that has become more complicated in the wake of the pandemic, and this actually applies not just to first-time filers, but to everyone, is an understanding of how remote work might or might not impact your taxes. For example, not everyone is going to qualify for a home office deduction, even though you might have been working from your home. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when things do get more complicated, so for example, if you have your own business or side hustle, you're not just working from home, or you own a property, or um, you get a a letter from the IRS that you're not really sure what to do with, that is a really great time to to look into hiring an accountant and to speak with an accountant because they are experts in all of the details. And it, it 
can be an investment, but um, as our taxes get more complicated, yeah. they can pay for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, that was that was going to be one of my other questions too, especially uh, given the fact that we can do so much of this online, as most of us do, and, and especially young people uh, tend to be more comfortable with that kind of technology. You may be wondering, well, why should I hire an accountant? Why would it make sense to hire someone else to do my taxes? And especially uh, if you're not real comfortable with some of these complexities, uh, it's better safe than sorry. Right. And and you mentioned it earlier, if your taxes are simple and, you know, you have a salary and you don't have things that are complicating your taxes, and you can definitely file on your own. on the tax website, but you could also, if as they get more complicated, um, those things I mentioned, you have your own business, you own a property, and you mentioned it too, if you're just feeling really confused and Mm -hmm. want some guidance, um, that could be a time to reach out and finding an accountant is really helpful. But something that's very important to know is that even if you do hire an accountant, you are still the one responsible and liable for your tax filing. So you're the one signing and it's important that you still understand what's happening with your taxes. So I would ask a lot of questions and don't feel shy to want to really understand what was happening with your taxes. Now, whether you are handing this off to a professional or you're doing it yourself, obviously there are certain documents that you're going to need to have. And really to make this easier, and this may be, talking about it after the horse is out of the barn, but uh, setting up a a system of filing all of the important uh, information and paperwork throughout the entire year to make this time of year less stressful. Yes, this is a big one because I think when we finish our taxes, we kind of want to be done because we're relieved, we finally got through it, but when, right when we file is such a great time to set ourselves up for a less stressful, less workload next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'd recommend is making a list of the documents that you needed this year, because that will be a great starting point, if not exactly what you will need for next year. And I, I recommend also labeling a folder or a digital folder for the next tax year. So it would be taxes 2022. And then as you receive things throughout the year, you can file them in there and have them just ready on hand for when it's time next year. And also when we plan in advance, there might be deductions that you wish you could have taken advantage of this year. So Mm. for example, maybe you wish you put more money aside in your company 401k or in your own IRA. And if we start early and we plan in advance, like right when we file, we can put more aside and plan to maximize those deductions as much as we can yeah all really good advice especially for first-time filers who may be uh, really apprehensive and nervous and even fearful of uh, tax deadline day which is starting to loom at large now and by the way one other uh, thing to mention and again it, it goes back to uh, the way the pandemic and ro- remote work uh, may have changed the paradigm a little bit one thing with respect to state taxes that people will want to know is If you work remotely for a company in another state, you will likely owe state taxes not only where you live, but in that state where you work, even if you are not physically there. So, again, things that can get complicated that you don't want to overlook. Yes. Ashley Feinstein-Gerstley is the author of Financial Adulting, Everything You Need to Be a Financially Confident and Conscious Adult. 
you've got more information on taxes and everything else financially that uh, young people need to know. Where do folks uh, find out more about the book? They can find out more at financialadultingbook.com. And yes, there's an entire chapter called Tax Basics and Estate Planning. So there's lots of goodies and information on, on how to do this in there. Ashley, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Um, where is the uh, story? Oh, here it is. This is what I wanted to start with uh, this morning. <laughs> I have my stories out of order here. That's a great way to start the segment. Um, <laughs> An assistant principal at a Mississippi elementary school has been fired from his job after he read a children's book to a second grade class last week called I Need a New Butt. (laughs) This was during a Zoom class, an online, a virtual class. Toby Price, who had been assistant principal at Gary Road Elementary in Byram, Mississippi, uh, said the book is actually one of his favorites. And he grabbed it to read to students after a guest reader did not show up. So he had to to fill in. He told uh, local news reporters that uh, he has read the book uh, before. And uh, it has, it says it's a funny, it's a silly book, suggested reading age of 6 to 10. So right there for second graders, it's right in that age room. Uh, he said he's ridden, uh, rid, bleh. he has read it to children at other schools, and there has never been a problem before. The uh, synopsis of the book, according to the publisher, uh, it's called I Need a New Butt by uh, Don McMillan, in which a young boy sud- suddenly notices a big problem. His butt has a huge crack. So he sets off to find a new one. Will he choose an armor-plated butt? A rocket butt? Find out in this quirky tale of a tale, which uh, features hilarious rhymes and delightful illustration. (laughs) School officials said, nah, it's probably not the most appropriate book. If you want to read that at home to your kids, that's one thing. But reading it in a public school class is probably inappropriate. The termination letter that Mr. Price was sent from the superintendent of the School district said reading the book showed a lack of professionalism and impaired judgment and caused unnecessary embarrassment. Now, they don't say who complained about the book. But by the way, as just a twist of uh, irony here, the uh, (laughs) uh, Gary Road Elementary School is part of the Hines County School District. Hines. And hind in, okay. <laughs> Just thought I would throw that in there. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken, broken news, a man who tried to smuggle dozens of reptiles across the U.S.-Mexico border has been arrested. Customs and Border Protection officials report the man had 52, 52 live snakes and lizards all hidden in his clothes. Happened the morning of uh, February 25th at the San San Ysidro Port of Entry in California. They were apparently concealed in the man's jackets, in the man's jacket, pants pockets, and uh, groin area, it says. 52 live snakes and lizards trying to smuggle into the country all 
hidden in his clothes. Who in their right mind would put even one snake or lizard in their clothes, let alone 52 of them? He had to be easy to spot. I mean, he couldn't have been calm. He had to have been <laughs> nervous and pretty easy to spot, I would think. All of the animals, by the way, have since been quarantined. Some have been identified as endangered species. A multi-agency federal investigation is now underway. Wow. <clears throat> Speaking of smuggling, I had no idea that baloney smuggling was a real thing. But apparently, not only is it a thing, it's a big problem. In a release on Monday, Customs and Border Protection said that they have seized 230 pounds of prohibited pork bologna on uh, two separate occasions recently. The El Paso director of field operations, Hector Mancha, said people will sometimes make light of these uh, seizures, but there is nothing funny about these failed smuggling attempts. The importation of unregulated pork products has the potential to introduce foreign animal diseases, which can be detrimental to our nation's agriculture industry. And it is. It is a serious. I mean, no kidding. This is a serious thing. But, you know, smuggling baloney in the first incident, a married couple from El Paso drove two separate cars in an attempt to get the baloney across the border. When the hidden meat was discovered, a combined 110 pounds between the two uh, were confiscated. The second incident involved a 59 year old male from Santa Fe who attempted to bring in 13 rolls of pork bologna weighing 120 pounds. Uh, both uh, cases, uh, individuals were issued civil penalties for failure to declare commercial quantities of bologna. The, I mean, what, what are you going to do with it? I don't, I don't understand. Is there a big market for uh, black market bologna? I, it's <laughs> black market imparted. Somebody comes up to you on the street and says, hey, want to buy some bologna? Beware. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the uh, broken news. Uh, no, not that one. Let's try this. Um, a Florida man. Always have to have something out of Florida. A Florida man who was hit by a car that plowed into a convenience store. Uh, Martin County Sheriff's Office says 21-year-old woman driving an SUV accidentally hit the gas pedal instead of the brake, crashed into the glass doors at the plantation pantry on Hutchinson Island on Tuesday. The man sent flying through the air. The sheriff's office posted video of the incident on Facebook captured on security camera footage, uh, noting that the man was taken to the hospital with injuries to his face. He is expected to recover. The first thing he asked about after the accident, is my beer okay? <laughs> is my beer okay? <laughs> but priorities, you know. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Road work, detours, traffic backups, and delays. It can get a little frustrating and confusing, but we can help keep you ahead of the game. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Just check out the traffic center at WFIN.com and you'll know where the trouble spots are in Findlay and Hancock County. Download Waze, use it whenever you're driving, and join our drive team to help inform others of traffic issues. The WFIN Traffic Center, powered by Waze, and available at WFIN.com. 
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Now, I know this sounds goofy and maybe even a little gross, but it is interesting and there is a a serious component to this. Uh, A new survey of 2,000 Americans finds 7 in 10, nearly 7 in 10, confess that we will hold it all day if necessary in order to avoid using a public restroom. Uh, This survey finds that 69% hate going in public so much that they will hold it until they can be in the comfort of their own home. Uh, Men more likely to agree with this mindset than women. 74% of men said that they uh, would hold it compared to 65% of females. On average, Americans are holding it for two and a half hours. (laughs) <laughs> in order to to get home and men willing to wait three hours in all and uh for those times when you just can't wait 71 percent say that they have a special out of the way bathroom that they prefer to use like at work or or something you have <laughs> they have one that's out of the way the biggest worry that people have about uh, doing number two in public is uh, people peeping through the gaps in the stall. That's the number one concern. Uh, Other gripes include uh, the uh, uh, unsavory aroma, shall we say. We'll just put it that way. And uh, cheap toilet paper (laughs) is the other turnoff. 36%. Also, uh, really hate the fact that uh, when you're at work, coworkers will try to talk to you while you are in the midst of <clears throat> doing your business. Thirty-one <laughs> percent say they can't stand that they have seen coworkers leaving the office bathroom without washing their hands. And I have been really surprised. Just as kind of a sidebar on this, I have noticed this in public places, whether it's the office. Uh, or in stores or restaurants, even uh, the other uh, not too long ago it was at the airport. And I noticed this. Uh, we have gone back to you remember during the pandemic. Uh, everybody was really, really meticulous about washing their hands uh, or at least using hand sanitizer uh, all the time. And especially after you went to the restroom and we have started to get out of that habit again. I know. Like I said, it's goofy, maybe a little gross, um, but uh, these are the the things that concern it. And doctors say that this is a there is a medical concern here, and this is the reason I bring this up. Like I said, it's, it's goofy, a little gross, and and all of that. But doctors say that there is a concern here because if you hold it too much, uh, that can be detrimental to your uh digestive tract and your urinary uh, tract health and your colon health and you know things like that so uh holding it uh occasionally is not a big problem but if you do this on a regular basis they say it can actually cause long-term health effects so something to keep in mind but interesting survey nonetheless thought of something uh the uh, time change is uh, this weekend so uh Juana's pancake day is sort of the last big event of standard time 
It was, I don't know. I don't know if that uh, is planned that way or whether it just uh, it happens that way. Uh, Jerry McNamee and uh, Sharon Conley are with us from the uh, Finley Kiwanis. Uh, Big Pancake Day event is uh, back once again this year as an in-person event uh, after a couple of years of madness. Uh, how good <laughs> is it for uh, to for this to get back to normal? I mean, how excited? It's truly amazing. Um, we are ready to be back yeah. in person to feel that energy of, of all of the people gathering to enjoy our pancakes and sausage. Yeah, last year, what did a uh, drive-through? It was a drive-through. Years, yeah, a couple drive-through. of years ago, it, it ended up getting canceled because it yep. was like right when everything was shutting down. There was not really a time to reconfigure it, but then last year did a drive-through. Uh, just not the same. Not and, the same, and, and this setup of being inside and mm-hmm. not standing on on. Uh, parking lot for three hours and, and uh, like 95 degree heat is, is much better. I would rather yeah. be inside Absolutely. standing next to a really hot griddle than outside <laughs> in a parking lot. And, and so we're, we're going to have a, it's fun to be back in, in person and, mm-hmm. and back to that kind of normal. Yeah. Um, a lot of trying to remember how we did it, but um, <laughs> at the same time, we're having a great time. And and we oh, another change that happened is is we we got a new sausage supplier from Herdwell out in Arlington that just recently opened. Okay, they were able to help us get some new sausage, so it, it's delicious, it's great, and 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 we just wanted to say thanks to them as well. And it's 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 awesome. One of the things that is is great about being back in person is that everybody seems to have so much fun putting this on and putting it together uh you know between all the volunteers the people that you have come out to help flip pancakes and and all of that yeah it's 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 definitely something that takes a family right many hands make like work and this has been you know in the planning it takes us you know quite a few months to plan this and our hope is that everybody just comes and has a great time and enjoys all of the great fellowship and the food and it is happening this Saturday, right? This Saturday from 7 to 1 at Finley High School. Okay. Uh, in the cafeteria at Finley High School. Um, so come eat and, and bring your stretchy pants and eat as much as you can. <laughs> because it is, uh, in fact, all you can eat. And uh, this is the big fundraiser for the Finley Kiwanis. Yes. So this is our 64th annual Pancake Day. Yeah, wow. we've been doing it for quite some time. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. And... Um, all of the money that we earn stays in Hancock County, and it's to help enrich the children's lives of you know all of those kids in Hancock County. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Talk a little bit about uh, you know how you put these dollars to use. We mentioned it's the uh, it's the biggest fundraiser right it, for the it is, Kiwanis. It is. So, uh, what is it that you do with those funds? Our our biggest one uh, in our hundredth anniversary uh, two years ago. Uh, Kiwanis Club of Finley has been around for 102 years now. 100 years ago for our 100-year project, Burlocker Memorial Park out at the Little Red Schoolhouse, that is, that was our park. And we have more plans for that. We're ordering more statues, a shelter house. We've added a history walk. So we're on phase three of that, and that is just for the residents of Hancock County mm-hmm. and for Finley. But we also have our – and behind the scenes, or, or maybe not noticed, we've awarded over $100,000 worth of scholarships um, to, to – and, and not just to the traditional four-year. We have two-year – this year we had a uh, – we helped – uh, a scholarship for a kid that wanted to go to to be a fireman so we have a whole bunch of different things we have our Kiwanis closets we have Amtrak's to help uh, physically disabled children be able to have mobility and then we have our key cl- and our funds help support key clubs both at Finley High and Van Buren uh, Circle K our action club which is great out of Blanchard Valley Center um, so there's a lot more to Kiwanis than just meeting at the dock on Wednesday, although we would love to have people there mm-hmm. at the dock every from noon to one every Wednesday. 
but everything we do is is, is really for Hancock County mm-hmm. and and for the for Finley and, and mainly focusing on kids and and what we can do. And uh, as you were going through the list of all of the areas that you're involved, I think that will surprise a lot of people because uh, a lot of this stuff is is done in such a way that I mean, if you were not immediately like if you're not in the schools or you right. don't have you know kids in school, you may not know about you know right. all of these programs in the schools. Right. And so the, on, so. the Kiwanis Closet is is a huge undertaking for us. We have a um, a closet in every uh, elementary school in Hancock County, and we fill that so that teachers don't have to buy those things for those kids that, you know, have accidents or don't have access to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And they it's on a continual rotation. They ask us to, to refill it. So, yeah, it's an amazing program that we have. And, uh, Jerry, as you were mentioning, mm-hmm. uh, love to have people uh, drop by and uh, find out more about what uh, Kiwanis uh, is all about. How does somebody go about becoming involved? Uh, you can just show up Wednesdays at the dock uh, downtown, uh, across from Little Caesars, and then we're there from 1130 to 1. We have guest speakers uh, come in and talk to us. We have a fun half hour of Kiwanis business. Um, but the other one, you, uh, if you want to look us up, we have our webpage of, of FinleyKiwanis.org, um, and we're available there, and, and they can reach out. Or I think people would be surprised to find out who are members. Um, there's a lot of very quiet members, and, and I bet if you reach out to wherever you work, and uh, you're going to know a Kiwanian. Mm-hmm. or somebody's going to be able to put you in contact with the Kwanian. And so we can we can definitely help out with that. And, of course, you can always ask at the at Pancake Day. At Pancake if you can, Day. Pancake if you day. can corral somebody who is not busy, <laughs> who's not doing probably three or four things at once. Look for the yellow T-shirts this year. Yep, that's a Kwanian. So talk about the uh, this event. Get back to uh, Pancake Day, which is this Saturday. As you mentioned, what, 7, seven to 1, one seven uh, to at one. Finley High School. What all is uh, is going on? So you have your, you know, plethora of pancakes and sausages to eat. We have celebrity flippers. Um, we um, have fifty-fifty drawing every hour on the hour. Um, and I don't think I'm missing anything other no, okay. than just like just general information about our organization. Um, and I, I know you've been selling tickets for for a while. Do you have to have tickets in advance? You don't. Um, you can come to the door. You can buy tickets. Seven dollars for adults and senior and kids are six dollars. Okay, so uh, again, it is happening this Saturday at Finley High School. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about Pancake Day and uh, the Kiwanis in general and everything that they uh, have going on. So uh, check that out online. A flippin' fun event, uh, as we said. And actually, I think that's the way you kind of bill it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Fun event. Kiwanis Pancake Day uh, is back in person this Saturday. Again, uh, Jerry McNamee and Sharon Conley, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you so it. Much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests of course for joining us on the program. Remember, as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow as we wrap up the week, how much is U.S. energy policy contributing to record fuel costs? And can we drill our way back to price stability? will help you understand the complexities of a global market and America's place in it. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.